AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. That's right. So, and then coming to see the show, and it was the first thing of mine they'd ever had seen. I feel like they finally saw me as a sort of full person because I had been hiding my art from them essentially since I was a teenager. Even more... tightly than being gay. Like, 
they could know that I was gay, but oh my God, like an artist writing about it, that was like too much. Too much. You guys too much. may not claim him, but he is y'all's. Even though he doesn't say what up though, Michael R. Jackson is from Detroit and he has done something no other playwright has done before, American playwright. Pay close attention because this is a very special Naked. Fast forward through the commercials. We're back on the other side. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. 
It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with In a world we're vulnerable, considered weak. Come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Naked. Um, So today's guest is not the Michael Jackson because we know he has passed away. Uh, Not to be confused with him, but Michael R. Jackson, very similar to Michael B. Jordan. You have to put the initial in when someone else is famous. You have to put the initial in, I repeat, when someone else is famous, (laughs) as famous as Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson. Michael R. Jackson is an American playwright. He's a composer. He's a lyricist. He is to me, most known for A Strange Loop. That is a play in which he wrote, he did the music. I mean, he's absolutely amazing. And it won the 2020 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, the 2022 Tony Award for Best Musical. I mean, what he has been able to do with this play is something special. It took him 20 years to write A Strange Loop. If you haven't seen it on Broadway, I encourage you to do so. I'm telling myself that as well because I have not seen it. I first heard of Michael R. Jackson when he was on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. And Trevor Noah talked about how when people left the theater, they left with mmm and ah, and they just were taking in all the information that they were able to see play out right in front of them. Michael R. Jackson says his play will make you do one of two things. It will be a mirror or it will be a window. The mirror will reflect back what you already feel. As a black gay man um, who was slightly overweight, living in New York, he wrote this story very much about himself, again, 20 years in the making. And he gave people a window into his soul, but also for those who may not have ever felt like they belong, it was a mirror as well, looking back at you. Window, pay attention, mirror, reflecting what we feel. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. He's funny, um, he's light, he's intelligent. 
and he talks about what a strange loop literally means. I think we all can relate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Michael R. Jackson on Naked. I'm in the presence of royalty. I don't ever believe in the history of this well-decorated podcast known as Naked. Have we ever had someone on uh, that has won a Pulitzer Prize for Drama, a Tony Award for Best Book of a Musical, and, and also, while simultaneously being from Detroit. Now, I've had people on here from Detroit. I've had people from Michigan, you know what I mean? But, you know, what up, though? Do you say that? My brother is a more what up, though, than me. (laughs) (laughs) That's not where I live, Carrie. Um, I do not do the what up, though. (laughs) I'm from where people do what up, though. I just, I never, I never did that. Yeah, you never bought it. Well, welcome so much to Naked. Thank you for being here, indulging me. Congratulations on all your success. Um, And for those folks who are not aware of who he is, you will get to know him today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Playwright, composer, lyricist, so young, Michael R. Jackson on Naked. I have to ask you about your upbringing. I know I'm joking about Detroit, but tell me about your upbringing. How you, mother, father, sister, brother, how many siblings what were your what what was your day-to-day life like as you grew up in Detroit um I came from a pretty you know normal I always describe my my upbringing as middle middle class um just like my father was a police officer my mother was um worked in the finance department for General Motors um I had one older brother uh my parents kept me and my brother like very, very busy so that we couldn't get into any trouble. So I was like in every arts program and choir and dance class, acting stuff. Um, uh, we were at church all the time because <laughs> uh, we were very involved in church. I played piano for church uh, for, for two of the choirs for most of my sort of uh, middle school to high school years. Um I, you know, and I, I just was like very much like just sort of a regular, 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 <laughs> regular, regular kind of um, upbringing. Middle, middle class is interesting because I, too, have some friends, a lot of friends actually from Detroit who could describe their upbringing as middle, middle class. Um, if you look back on the family dynamic, what were your interests uh, and, and how, in fact, did your parents or, or yourself feed those those interests that 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 passion that is now developed into what we know so as my mother would always say he always had a book in his hand (laughs) i when i was young i loved to read i was always reading my mom got me like weekly reader stuff and i was just like constantly a lot of reading which is what got me into writing because the more i would read the more i was like i want to I want to make people feel the way that this makes me feel when I open a book. And so a lot of my, you know, early years, because I also was doing child acting too. And that was something I sort of abandoned that for writing. Um, you know, I was just me writing little poems and short stories and just sort of imitating whatever I, I read in a book. And my parents encouraged, my parents are always very encouraging. They, I don't think they really knew what I was doing. But they they liked that I was doing something that seemed like creative and productive and not, you know, something bad. So I just um, 
I sort of did that and and I took a lot of writing courses uh, both in high school and outside of high school. And my parents paid for stuff like that. And they really sort of let me kind of, you know, case my my bliss in that way. Well, here's what's interesting. Were you, uh, can you rather, can you sing? Can you hum? What is your, yeah. So what is your, I, I definitely grew up very musical. I started playing piano when I was eight years old. I started singing in like church choir when I was like a, like seven. Um, I was singing in an all, a black all city uh, classical chorus all through middle school and high school. Um, or maybe it was elementary and high school. And um, I had a, I did have a musical affinity. I had perfect pitch, um, but I wasn't necessarily trying to write music or anything at that point. But I, I loved music, and music was always playing in our house. What does it mean that you had a perfect pitch? Meaning, I can match a pitch. Like if you gave me, like if you sang a note, I could tell you what it was just by hearing it. And I can sort of like match pitch um, perfectly. Is there something that you can sing right now that you just are like, you just are go-to when you're like, la 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 Remember, that's what the, they do in the movies. It's just so I... Oh, uh, for like warm-ups? Yeah. Um, I Probably my, my warm-up is... Uh, That's what I, I like to do. Me too. I'm glad that we both like to do the same. That's great. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I just wanted to get that out of the way. I'm glad that woo, it's going to be hard for me to be able to do this uh, entire interview if we didn't warm up the same. Uh, for someone who is so musically challenged, all of, even all my friends, anybody that I know, and this is like a gift, if people are like, I wish I could sing. People wish that they can sing. Of all the talents, you wish you could have that. But not only do you have a talent to, to sing, you can write. You can, do you think the two go hand in hand? You can, I think composing and singing goes hand in hand, but writing all of that, all of that goes Um, hand in hand? Not necessarily. I mean, I think everyone can sing. Maybe everyone can't sing well, but I think everyone has a unique voice that makes a sound that's only they can make. Correct. Correct. Um, uh, I will say that like having like a a particular ear for music has helped my writing. And so they do go on hand in hand, but there are writers who don't have like, you know, necessarily the most pleasant voices. And there are like, you know, writers I know who can sing me under the table. Like I, I, you know, sort of, and also I like studied singing a little bit. Okay. So like there's, there's some of that, that like I, over the years, you know, take singing in these, these choirs and whatnot. I, you know, learned a little bit of technique that I brought with me into my, you know, writing, even though I don't sing professionally or anything. So it's not uncommon for, for especially in our culture, Black culture, for us to grow up in the church and sing church, right? And sing in church. And mm-hmm. I, I know I was in the choir, couldn't necessarily hold a, 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 you know, a really good tone or pitch I don't know. So you were singing for Jesus. I was singing for Jesus. I was singing for the Lord. At least yes. That's what I was told. But I thought I could sing. You can tell me. I was tone deaf, but I thought I could that's, sing. That's what church is for. Yeah. It's right. for thinking you can <laughs> sing well. <laughs> thinking you can sing well. We know, we, know, we know many people who 
could not sing well, but yeah. they sang. Uh, they sang in the church. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here you are with this this natural talent that your parents nurtured. Um, and I find that beautiful because some parents don't even know that their kid has this natural ability. And and as you said, you didn't your parents didn't necessarily know what you had, but they were supporting you, and that's all that matters to me. Yeah. When did you get the opportunity to showcase what you had been? you know, honing all your le- all your life as an amateur, if you will, undiscovered? As a writer? Yeah. Well, so I, I wrote fiction and poetry when I was in high school, and I got published in a couple of, like, small literary magazines and at my school's literary magazine. And so people would see little things like that, and my parents would see little bits of it, because I always tried to hide my writing from them, because I was, like, embarrassed that they would not get it or not like it or whatever. So I was always hiding it from them. But I like people who like around my school and some folks, you know, in the sort of uh, teen literary art scene, um, they were aware of my work, you know, at different little things that I would do. But uh, other than that, like it was kind of, you know, just a small thing. Um, And then like my, my sort of big break was my musical Strange Loop. That was like my first big thing that I did in New York because I've worked on it for so long. Okay, really? Mm-hmm. I, I had written things thought, before that. Yeah, but you had that really... only children, but you didn't think that was... So that was some. That was not a professional um, production. That was a, 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 on the NYU main stage okay. for college students. Okay. Which I'm, it's not just, I'm very proud of it. But it, and also I wrote that with a collaborator. So I didn't write the music for that. Okay. Okay. But your first one was A Strange Loop. Talk to me mm-hmm. about A Strange Loop. You have worked on it for how many years? And just by way of background, tell everyone what it is. Yeah. So A Strange Loop is a musical about a young, fat, black, gay musical theater writer named Usher who works as an Usher at a Broadway show who's writing a musical about a young, fat, black, gay a uh, musical theater writer named Usher who's working on a broad, working on a musical uh who works who works as an Usher to Broadway show and is writing a musical about a young fat black and then Usher who works as an Usher to Broadway musical, et cetera, et cetera, and sort of cycling through his own uh self-hatred. Uh and he has an ensemble of his thoughts who sort of play everyone in the world, including like his parents and projections of uh people in the writing industry, the theater industry and and so on and so forth. And he's sort of like going through his, having a conversation with himself, all while trying to write a musical about himself. And you wrote that for how long? How long did it take you to write that? Till you got to the so point it was so precious, you decided to give it to the world. How long did that take? So it started off as a monologue that I uh, began writing right after I graduated from undergrad when I was about 23 years old. Mm-hmm. And th- it got to Broadway earlier this year, um, and I'm 41. So that's 18 years. In 2020, you were awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Drama for A Strange Loop, becoming the very first musical theater writer to win that award. Wow. In 2019, let me go back, received a world premiere, uh, correct? A playwright, Playwrights Horizon in New York? Is that correct? Yeah, with a... Uh, Page 73 in association with Page 73 Productions. When the reception was more than what I'm sure you imagined, because you had headlines oh, yeah. 
for 18 years. You've been writing this for 18 years. I can imagine being that patient with any any piece of my work, but you artists are something different. That's why I'm like the artists are something different because you can hold on to it and you can perfect it and you can, and I could, I, I assume you were going through different life stages and adding to it as you, as you sure. live, right? It was, a, it was a piece that very much changed. As I changed, it would change over the years. I mean, some things stayed, but it, it was definitely a living sort of organism for a long time. When you get this, this, these rave reviews, cause it's a tough place to, to live, right? Um, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, wow, they get me, I am accepted, uh, or I'm so surprised? Well, the interesting thing has, for me, especially since coming to Broadway, but this was also true when we were running off-Broadway and even in Washington, D.C., is that sometimes, like, we got a lot of good reviews, but, like, every once in a while, there would be, like, a bad one or a sort of middling one. And I would sometimes read all of them. Sure. And the thing that I would notice is that sometimes even in the good reviews, I felt like they missed the point. And sometimes in the bad reviews, I felt like they missed the point. Like they were, so I had to like really take a step back from feeling accepted or not accepted Mm. based on what any of these reviewers were saying, because sometimes they just might be on another planet than what I was on or felt that I was on. Mm -hmm. So I felt interested in how people were receiving the show, but I didn't like internalize it. And sort of, I was talking to someone earlier today about this, and I sort of say that my feeling about the success of The Strange Loop and everything that sort of followed is that it's something that my mother used to say about being Christian when I was little. When we were little, when I was a little kid, she'd say, "We're in the world, we're not of the world." So that's that's sort of how I feel about it in some ways. That like I have to have a kind of distance from people's reaction. In their in their analysis and all of that of the show, even when it's when it's when it's accepted and considered one of the best, even when it's good, really, because sometimes because like it's so because it's so much, and like if you just if you start internalizing that too much, then it you you get like this gigantic overinflated ego, and also I have other things that I want to write. You don't want to be known just for this. It's almost like a star that has the one great hit. You don't want. I mean. Yeah, I mean, but also, but here's the truth. Like, on my grade, or in my obituary, when I die, it will be, like, Pulitzer Prize winner or whatever, Tony Award winner for yeah. A Strange Loop. I, and I fully accept that. Yeah, you know wrong. Right. <laughs> right. But, like, and, and I love that. I, Strange Loop is my baby. But, but I guess what I'm just saying is that, like, I can't internalize that because I have more work to do. When you say you have more work to do, I'd like to I'd like to take a moment to to talk about what I think is interesting. Just, you know, I'll say the quiet part out loud. You talk about growing up in the church, but you're openly gay. What type of relationship did you have with your parents uh, when they found out that you were gay? Did, did that and the people around you and more specifically in the church, in the church, people you thought were friends who may have not been as warm? So the interest so the. When I when I came out, um, it was not a positive experience with my family at all. Um, I'll be like very honest about that. But 
what's also true is that they love me like very, very, very much. And they love me very, very, very much. And they are like my biggest supporters. And I think, you know, especially having, you know, gotten older and time and things change or whatever and perspectives change. The thing that I know is that neither one of us knew really how to take care of each other in that moment when they were learning something new about me. Um, And I also didn't know how to, to take care of me, you know, like it was all, it was like a, it was just a new element in our relationship. But, um, it, but like on the face, it was like horrible, <laughs> like truly, truly horrible. Yeah. Um, You're not but I also knew other, but also knew other kids who had experiences where their families found out and their, some of their experiences were way worse than mine. Like I had a friend or it was a relative actually who her mother like threw her out of the house. Mm. That was never going to happen to me ever. That was like not even in the realm of possibility. I was afraid that it was, but it never that was never going to happen. Do you, My parents like loved me. Do you deeply. think that your parents knew before you told them? I do, which is why I think that it actually was as emotionally charged as it was because I think it was this sort of confirmation of something that they were maybe hoping would not come to be or that they wouldn't have to deal with it, um, which is, you know, something that happens in so many families. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be about being gay. It could be about many, many things, you know? When you told them, yes, you said it wasn't a positive experience, but how long did it take them to settle in with it? Like, so they love you no matter what, but how long did it allow? How long before you felt it it started to be? Well, I think it, it took a long, it took a, many years, because, but it took many years in part because I, instead of really owning it, I sort of ran away from it. Like what do you I mean? put up a wall like with them where I just would, after that moment sort of passed and I went to college because I like him, it was, this happened when I was about 17. So like, I only had like a, like a basically another year in the house before I left. Mm -hmm. And so I just then would just would not talk about it. Mm. Like if somebody tried and and they would sometimes ask me about what are you doing in New York? Or do you, do you have a girlfriend or what are you doing? Like they were all trying to find a ways to talk about it. And I just would like deflect, 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 deflect because I, that, in that initial moment of coming out to them was so much that I just didn't, I was too afraid and I felt too many feelings and I started to build a wall around myself and just not talk about it. But I, you know, the, the years of that war on me, I, I went to therapists and to talk about my feelings and other feelings that were going on, you know, and eventually I got to a place and I, and also writing the show was a way of, of sort of unpacking some of the feelings that I was having and going to therapy and like in therapy, finally, I, after going to many different therapists, like the last one, one of the last ones I went to, we really sort of had a breakthrough with me where I sort of realized that I had been carrying around a sort of core self-loathing and just accepting it as a condition of life and that it was getting in the way of me having relationships with people and like being being able to feel okay in the world and 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 working on that which also was something that I was exploring in the show it it, it like cracked something open 
And I think it was at that moment where I was able to then go back to my parents and sort of be a little bit more transparent with them. And the truth of it is that we don't really talk about my sexuality at all in any way. I mean, there's nothing really to talk about. I'm I'm not dating anyone, but like, um, but they also in their own ways have made little strides that I've noticed. Like, for example, at the church that I was raised in, the pastor there, who was not the pastor when I was growing up, there was a new pastor, but he's like very, very homophobic. And he's, and he's like homophobic in a way of like wanting to change church bylaws and, and tell people who to vote for and, and all this stuff from the pulpit. And my parents don't like that. And they don't, they don't accept that. And like, and, and a lot of their views have softened about things that they would have taken a much harder line on when I was a teenager. And that was an evolution that they did all by themselves. Mm. I, it's not like I was there being like, go to a PFLAG meeting or, or whatever. Like I didn't, I was like, I have to deal with my own self. You have to deal with your own selves. And I think that over the years, them, their love for me and them watching me continue to go on with life helped them get to another place. And so it, so and then coming to see the show, yeah, because they came and saw it at at, uh, at Clarence Horizons, and it was the first thing of mine they've ever had seen. I feel like they finally saw me as a sort of full person because I had been hiding my art from them essentially since I was a teenager, even more t- tightly than being gay. Like they could know that I was gay, but oh my god, like an artist writing about it—that was like too much in my mind. My mind. Don't go anywhere. We have more from Michael R. Jackson. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up <laughs> you couldn't believe it from iheart podcasts it's like the police knew who he was before they got here a story about money power and corruption the medical school dean at usc was leading a secret double life he's breathing right now yes he's absolutely breathing i'm a doctor actually there's no way that that guy's a doctor i'm paul pringle and i'm an investigative reporter for the la times This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We paid our bills. Y'all stuck with me. I appreciate it or stayed with me rather uh, more with Michael R. Jackson. This year, Tony Awards, you listen, A Strange Loop was nominated for 11 awards, winning Best mm-hmm. Musical and Best Book of a Musical. 11 mm-hmm. Awards. Tony Awards is the highest that you can get if you're on Broadway. It is, it is, mm-hmm. it is the Super Bowl because I'm a sportswoman. It is the NBA <laughs> finals. It's your chip. It's, 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 it's Michael Jordan's six rings. It is, it is something that 
that creatives love to get if they can live in that world. It's called the EGOT. They want to win all of them, right? If you are, I yeah, yeah. common saying he wanted the EGOT, which is an, uh, the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, the Tony. The Oscar and the Tony, yeah. It, yeah, Jennifer Hudson got it. Correct. Because of our show, yeah. Unheard of. T- okay, talk your because you're sure. Okay. 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 Yeah, she was a producer on our show, and so she got, became an EGOT when we won Best Musical. It's unheard of. And mm-hmm. you, while you say your parents probably softened over the years, and that was their evolution, you have, whether it's willingly or unwillingly or knowingly or unknowingly, have become a hero in the LB. GTQ community, making sure I get all LGBTQ community, making sure I get all my letters together. Um, and you have been called literally a hero. They they have said you have won awards where, from my understanding, you've been named among the 50 heroes in the community, um, a nation, uh, a nation toward equality, acceptance and dignity for all people leading the nation, rather. Uh, did you realize that and I don't know if this is the right word, a strange loop became not a calling card, but a um, an example of what was and what should be for this community. Uh, something they can say, often like the color purple, minister society. Mm-hmm. There are art, and I say minister society because I grew up in LA and people started to see really what was going on in this world for these little black kids yeah, yeah. who had no other options, right? These gangsters, right. boys in the hood, if you will, right? Uh, Love and basketball. Yeah. I'm thinking of all the different films that were just they came into the culture and they and they and they grab you. Ev- yeah. They grab everyone's attention and they say, "This is what yeah, I've been trying food. to say." Soul food. I've been trying to say this, but I didn't know how. Did you realize that a strange loop would be that? I didn't it, because it it began just as such a personal testimony that was just truly just for me and mm-hmm. in initially and and so then it was incredible to me that over time it became something that was for many people um across the spectrum like black white all like the the people who are fans of the strange loop are our legion and our quite a diverse uh crowd and um and that to me is a beautiful thing but that's not that wasn't my intention but that's i think when you share something so personal you find out that other people share like that you're not alone and that other people often feel the same what do you hear as you walk down the street what do people tell you about a strange loop how does it affect them People tell me that it um, is like life changing for them, or that it. Some uh, uh, this man I tell a story often told me that it opened up a dialogue in his family about his sexuality because they had not been accepting, and he brought some of them to see the show. And they and and after years of sort of not being able to really talk to him or accept him, I guess the way the show is constructed, they were able to like have vocabulary to talk about. Um, his sexuality that was really powerful um so many people just said that how meaningful the show is to them or that they felt seen or or that they learned something that they didn't know and that's why i always say that for some people the show is a mirror and for other people the show is a window and that both of those experiences can live together in harmony um and people can sort of experience this the same thing take from it what they need 
but also share that with their neighbors. And to me, that's a really powerful testament to what theater can do. How does it feel to have all these accolades when you're just writing about yourself? Is there any pressure about what's next? Well, that's that big. Well, also, it's not just myself. It's like, it's yeah, my, exactly. It's like, you're right. It's you're like, because right. I don't think of the piece as autobiographical. You're right. It's, you're absolutely right. It's a mix of fact and fiction. And the character Usher, he's a part of me, but he's not the whole, you know? Um, I'm 41. Usher is forever, will forever be 25 going on 26. Yeah. Um, but so I, I guess it it feels good to be able to share, quote unquote, myself with people because so much of our world is actually about pretending and about not being authentic mm-hmm. and about not really sharing what's in your heart and your mind and your spirit. And so it feels good that I have something where I was able to share my heart and mind and spirit with people and they can share it back. And there's an exchange of energy there. What do you mean they can share it back? Well, because when you're in the audience for the show, you're you're giving energy to the performers up there and then they give it give it back to you. And it's like it's a loop. It's coming, it's constantly, and the way the show is written, it's, it's some, some parts are more aimed at some parts of the audience, some parts are more aimed at other parts of the audience, but everybody's learning together how to watch it and how to experience it. And then suddenly there's this moment where everybody in the theater is invited to clap along together and everybody has to decide how they feel about that moment. It's a really complicated moment. And there's an energy swirl that's just happening there that's really powerful. And then I, I often will go to the show and at the, when at curtain and people will come up to me and they'll want to talk to me about how the show made them feel. And they're giving me energy when they talk to me about what it means to them or, or what they enjoyed, you know? And that's, I think really powerful. And that, and that's, that, that energy can't be destroyed. And, well, I have so many thoughts, but what I the the overwhelming sentiment is I'm a big believer that every now and again a, a voice comes along, right? For for your generation, for your community, or for your culture. Um, and when you can hit all three of those, that's something special. So you have been regarded as all three, someone who's speaking for a community, for the culture, and for the generation, and for a generation. Um, and it's hard to do that. But it also reminds me that I think, I you know, the first thing, you're highly intelligent. That's the first thing that I'm thinking, right? That's that's the first thing you think when you're talking. I was like, your emotional IQ matches, obviously, what I think your book smarts would be. To be able to create, (laughs) uh, to be able to create such a piece that that does transcend because it's unheard of. Um, and it's always special when it does happen and it, and it's beautiful when it, it, it is being acknowledged. And we live in a society that loves to label. What do you think a strange loop's purpose will be historically? How will this semi-autobiographical um, play be received in the future? Um, you know, I I I can only I can tell you what I hope that it is. I don't know what will happen, but I hope that it is seen as a duly noted complex um 
piece of art to be reckoned with and and something that is black and queer and gay and 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 messy that people grapple with for years that it that it's that it's something that speaks to the human condition um in a in a universal way or in a way that one can uh perceive as universal because especially because so often we like to think of things that are black as sort of niche or sort of um mm-hmm. Not fully human, or not fully, or I'm not saying you, you, me, we think this, but the world can often sort of think of things that are black as kind of like one-dimensional or stereotypical or whatever those things are. And I really wanted to let to make a lie of that, which I mean, it is a lie, but I wanted to really make a lie of it by creating this piece that shows a black spirit in in as a universe black on, you know as a universe what does that mean yeah and that and that people can go inside that universe but also that universe is inside of them too that's what humanity is say that again that you can go inside of the universe but the universe can go on is can go inside of you because each of us is made up Everybody has a strange loop. Everyone. Everybody has like all these little ways of seeing the world and who you are and what makes you you. And so um, in this show, you get to see what makes Usher Usher. And some of the things that make Usher Usher are what make you or you or you or you or you. Maybe not all of him, but the parts of him that are important. There's a song moment in the show where he has a really intense experience a really negative experience when he hooks up with this older white man. And it's a very specific thing that can, that, that I know many black gay men have gone through, but he leaves that experience and he sings a song called boundaries where he goes, why did I do that? Mm. What did that, what did that do for me? And everyone, literally everyone has had a moment where they have felt like that about something. You preaching to the choir right now. I can go down something, some, all things. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. but whether it's yeah. your career, whether it's your personal life mentioned here. In or the something country. that you wish that you had said to a loved one before right. they passed away. Or something that you wish you had hugged somebody before they died. Or, or you, there's so many things, so many regrets. Why did I do that? That's beautiful. Michael R. Jackson, the R is imp- important. Because there are a lot of Jacksons <laughs> out here in the world. And so you don't want to be confused. The R is important. I will not forget. Can you tell me what the R stands for? Um, it stands for Ramon. Oh, I like it. Okay, Ramon. <laughs> Why do you hesitate? Like, you don't want me to call you Ramon. Can I call? Do your friends call you Ramon? Roro? Does it no, ever? Literally no one. Oh. No one. So literally I, no one. Literally no not one. Not even my mother. Literally not no one, including you, Carrie Champion. Literally no one. <laughs> A strange loop. Everyone uh, has their own strange loop, the way we see the world. And I, I, I applaud your, um, what you may not think is bravery, but I applaud your bravery and your boldness and your unapologeticness. And I do believe when a community is marginalized, it takes a certain voice to speak and speak boldly about it. And that is what you're doing with art. 
And God bless, because it can't be easy. I mean, no matter how much success, no matter how much attention you get, no matter how much money you make, um, it still comes with all the whatever that could be in your case. That was my way of saying I am beyond grateful. I need everybody to check out A Strange Loop. Um, You have done far too much for the community, the culture, uh, and the generation. I love you. That was sweet. Michael R. Jackson. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Harry. I've been told A Strange Loop is arguably one of the most important plays for our culture. And by our culture, I mean everyone's culture. Not just Black folks, not just gay folks, but just everyone in general. And when you're able to write a piece that affects so many souls from so many different backgrounds and and literally change people's opinions about who you are and what a lifestyle is, you've done something amazing. You've done something great. And you know he's a true talent. And again, I encourage you all, myself included, let's check it out and talk about your strange loop. Hit me up on social. Tell me about your strange loop. Talk to y'all next week. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. 
hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday already a know. podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.